Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning and welcome to NAM Talks. On behalf of Nordea Asset Management, we would like to wish you a happy new year. Before we begin, as always, we have a couple of important housekeeping rules. We offer the following webinar in a couple of select languages. You can access those by clicking the interpretation button below. In addition, if you have any questions, please send them to nordeafunds at nordea.com. So let's talk how to manage inflation risk in your portfolio in 2022. Today, we have a very special guest, Dr. Aspiron Trollhansen, who is the head of Nordea Asset Management's multi-assets team. Hi, Aspiron. Welcome and Happy New Year to you. Uh, wish you uh, good health and, and a good start to the year. Thank you, Kano, and the same to you. Thanks, Aspiron. So, Aspiron, it's been an interesting couple of months. What have you been seeing across markets? Yeah, you know, Carlo, it's been the it's been the same a little bit the last few months as over the entire pandemic. So you can say more of the same. And uh, so, I mean, full throttle on the monetary policy, full throttle on, uh, you know, the fiscal policy, uh, driving up, you know, demand uh, to counter sort of the pandemic situation across the board. Uh, a little bit towards the end, maybe with, with central banks starting to, you know, wanting to counterbalance that. Uh, but, you know, it, in a way, it's been a continuation of the pattern in the financial markets that we have been seeing. And, you know, with this full throttle going on sort of the monetary and fiscal support, and at the same time, parts of the market being restrained, like you cannot go to a restaurant, you cannot go to the movie theater, uh, then, of course, all those money are being channeled into what is doable for the consumer. And so what is doable for the consumer is, you know, buying stuff, over the internet, you know, maybe even uh, going to uh, some uh, shops uh, that are open and where you can buy stuff. Uh, so, so that has led to a shift, uh, interesting shift from, you know, uh, the, the demand picture, uh, moving on to the goods, implying a lot of good inflation, uh, goods inflation, you can say. Uh, so, so inflation is really starting to show around, uh, you know, the stuff that you can buy. So goods inflation, uh, which you can see on the on the graph with the red line, they're coming up, uh, reaching uh, you know maybe around ten percent even. Why service inflation? They're staying very very low. I mean, and so that is that is the picture that has been continuing, and that you know also has led to some concerns in in the investor community. Uh, at the same time, I would say uh, that is also happening uh, in the financial markets through uh, asset price inflation. So what is of course also doable at the moment is to buy uh, stocks on the stock market. The stock market has not closed because of the pandemic, so there's still access to buy some stocks. And that has also led to sort of maybe some uh, selected price inflation around the stock markets. And some of it being rational enough because companies are doing well, some of it maybe being more speculative in, in nature. So uh, a, little bit, a little bit of continuation of that picture. That's really interesting. You kind of already alluded uh, to this before, but obviously, even though we're still in a, in a pandemic, uh, you still are interacting with our clients. From your most recent interactions over the last few months, what would you say has been their biggest concern? No, so I think it is exactly uh, this, this inflationary picture that, you know, what does this lead to? This fact that some prices are getting, you know, 
uh, are increasing significantly, uh, accelerating significantly, uh, leading maybe to some uh, stoking of the value chain across uh, across the global economy. So there's been some uh, talks about, you know, can goods be delivered? Uh, all of that, uh, I should remark, is, is likely because of that uh, significant demand coming from the goods uh, side of the economy. So if you look at, for example, the talks that's been around the semis, you cannot get a semiconductor these days. It's almost like that. It cannot be delivered. And there's a, you know, a queue piling up to get a semiconductor. But it's not because that there's nothing getting delivered. It's just because the demand is so high. You see that, for example, from, from the graph here, both the, on the uh, red line as well as the a blue line, where the blue line is uh, indicating sort of sales of semis, uh, revenues from semis uh, going up significantly. And the red line is just the percentage growth of that. So even though there's a problem getting semiconductors, uh, that problem is, is not because that there's nothing getting produced, it's just because the demand is so intense. So it is exactly this, uh, this part of the, the value chain across the globe getting stuff delivered that I think investors are concerned about and the inflationary pressures because the demand is so strong, then the inflationary pressures that that leads to. And so the question is uh, what to do about that and where to put your investments as a consequence if this is starting to sort of in general inflate prices in the economy. Yeah, certainly. I'm sure a lot of investors will have a story regarding delays on receiving goods in the last couple of months. And, and I think that's a shared pain across the board. And in your view, how do you think investors are tackling this challenge? Are they doing the right thing or do you think they're heading in the wrong direction? Yeah, so so uh, obviously what I what I hear out there is that you don't have bonds in this environment with long duration at least because it might ultimately be that the inflationary picture bites into central bank action that will lead to higher rates. Rates are low. Are they really pricing a, you know, a inflationary pressures in? Um, and sort of we are running with very low uh, real rates, uh, you know, so returns X inflation. You see that also on the on the next graph that I have here, that real rates in the US are running low at minus 2%. Uh, implied break-even inflation running at, at 3%, the blue graph. Uh, so, so in that way, you know, there's a concern among investors. Of course, naturally that, you know, the accelerated inflation, I mean, uh, really offering a, a very mediocre returns uh, after inflation for bonds. And, uh, and then you have the risk, of course, that central banks will ultimately address it, moving up bonds, bond yields even higher, bond prices even lower. So, so definitely that's, that's a place where both we and uh, investors are staying a bit away. Um, then I think investors are thinking of, okay, but what is, what's then you know, attractive in an inflationary environment? And a lot of investors have you know, moved generally into equities, maybe the type of equities where you think that the companies can best address this, these inflationary pressures. Uh, typically, that's going to be you know, growth stocks that have a lot of pricing power, a lot of you know, ability to deliver the goods that uh, consumers want at the moment. <laughs> That could be IT stocks, for example, or some of the big five companies out there, including, you know, Apple and Amazon and, uh, you know, the classical FANG stocks. Uh, so, so that's, you know, where the focus has been for the, uh, you know, since the start of the pandemic, actually also a little bit before. And, and there's good reason to think that, you know, with uncontrolled inflation, that is at least the view or not uncontrolled inflation, but at least some, some decent inflation that those companies are able to pass through prices and therefore, you know, profit actually from the increased inflation. So that's that, that's the dynamic I think that that we have been seeing. 
Some of that is very rational. Some of it may be a bit more speculative. So there's also been, a, you know, channels of uh, money flowing into sort of more speculative uh, parts of uh, the, the, the corporates, uh, so stocks that are maybe more opportunistic for the future in a, in a environment where there's a lot of money available to invest and to, to grow. So uh, both some uh, high quality and some, I think, lower quality inflation uh, protective companies. And again, I think you alluded to this before. What is uh, your view on this approach? Do you agree with investors that currently have a strong preference for equities? Yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit uh, like you were saying. I mean, I think the speculative part is because of, uh, you know, excessive money. It's, it's very hard to judge in a way some of these companies, whether uh, they are actually uh, sensible. Some of these mine stocks, for example, are, are probably less sensible. You can find quite, quite clear evidence that, you know, the profits are even decelerating while the stock prices are accelerating. So that doesn't really fit into the sort of inflationary protective profit cycle that, that they are. So, so that we find, for example, in other IT stocks like, like Google and Apple, that where profits are, are clearly accelerating. Um, so, I think, uh, so I think you ultimately need to make a differentiation there. And I, th- and I think it's, it's also a little bit, you know, counterintuitive that, uh, you know, in the first phase, Inflation is, of course, good for these companies. But in, in the second phase, if investors are ultimately worried about, you know, uh, inflation, then they may be also worried about interest rates and what central banks will do to the inflation. And, and here's, a, here's a little bit of a different scenario coming in, because if central banks are then starting to address the inflation, that, that will lead to clearly different dynamics where some of these growth stocks uh, are traditionally able to handle that less well. So, so while they can pass through quite easily sort of inflation to the cash flows, then the effect of the, of the discounting of uh, the future cash flows on increased interest rates will actually be a challenge for those growth companies. Then you'll have some substitution effects starting to happen into other segments of uh, you know, market factors. And, and so I think you know, uh, these stocks are good in the first phase of the inflation, but in the second phase, where central banks are starting to address the excess liquidity, then you need an, another style, or then it can be more challenging for some of these growth stocks to, to deal with that. So I think, uh, I think that's where you need to be a bit careful. So then, Aspirin, I guess that we can all agree that investors uh, have this preference for equities in order to somehow navigate uh, this high inflation environment. And we already conveyed earlier that duration might not be a good solution to hedge that equity risk. So I guess the question is, how can investors that are really already piling up a lot of equity exposure or beta in their portfolio uh, protect, protect themselves from the risks embedded in that allocation? Yeah, so uh, like I was alluding to before, then uh, I think we concur with investors that duration is not the play, best place to be. Uh, we are, across our portfolios, very low on, on duration, particularly on some of the unconstrained accounts like the stable return strategy. We are clearly you know, have, have very low duration exposure at the moment that goes for our other fund range as well. So a- actively managing that down simply because the, you know, a- the bonds, you can say, they don't discount a potential inflation shock. I think bonds are priced for high inflation now, but then coming down quite rapidly, just like the central banks have been uh, communicating, inflation coming down quite rapidly uh, towards uh, 2%, the normal 2% uh, Mark, but so so in that scenario, bonds could maybe look sort of okay, given the roll down on the curve is pretty okay. Uh, but even there, 
uh, we think that you know it's a it's a it's a modest return on on uh, you know duration strategies and then even if you have uh, the scenario where you're going to have inflation a little bit more high than that then of course bonds are completely uninteresting so so that that we agree with investors the question is then what to do uh, we've been talking about that a, a little bit before if it's not you know growth stocks that are you know the clear place to be for that second phase uh, for some, of course, it could uh, make sense. For some, growth stocks not. Then it's about what what to do there, and then then you can do kind of different studies of okay, in that second phase when inflation is still there, where uh, you know central banks are responding to that, uh, then it's maybe more about having also high quality stocks that can pass through the inflation as as profits, but are not as reactive to. Uh, you know the central bank action. So then you know need to go a little bit more value, but not not clearly value. That is more high quality value, I would say, that that are able to also deal with that uh, inflation uh, pressure that can be coming, uh, but in a way where the discount effect doesn't you know spoil the party completely for the for the pricing of those uh, profits. So so that's that is something we are doing. I've got two slides that sort of indicate uh, you know uh, why that could be interesting i mean we can start with a small analysis from the from the 70s uh, where we can look at you know a selected defensive uh, companies like coca-cola procter gamble johnson and johnson uh, what we show here is that you know the earnings through the inflationary environment of the 70s with the central bank reactions you've got in the beginning of the 80s that your earnings actually outpaced the, the even the cpi development during that phase uh, so this is in line with what we also have observed in in the last 20, 25 years that some of these high quality defensive companies can actually deal with that inflationary pressure, but also in the second phase where the central banks are starting to, to hike a little bit more uh, or to address the, the inflationary concerns. Um, so so, so that, is, that, is, that is one thing you can, can look at. And of course, for our traditional uh, defensive uh, value stocks, uh, our, for example, our stable equity strategy, then you know you can go even more value biased than this. Uh, and as you can see on the left hand side of this slide, there you know still a PE level of around 14 for our low risk equity strategy compared to uh, the MSCI world trading at 20 times. Then you're getting away from this growth and the discounting effect of future cash flows. Uh, future cash flows will impact the valuation, and then in in that way that you you know, do better in a, in a market environment where rates are coming up. Uh, on the right-hand side, you can see that on top, the stable equity strategy has weathered, you know, the earnings cycle very well. So earnings uh, still being very high quality and defensive, uh, actually probably not even falling uh, through the pandemic here, but actually uh, earnings and cash flow surfacing that, uh, uh, you know, uh, environment very well. So, so you can do that instead of it being defensive by buying bonds, which has very bad valuation and in very, you know, inflation risky. Then you can rather go to these defensive stocks, maybe even with a value bias that seems to hold both through the seventies. That is also the experience we have from the last 20, 25 years in, in cycles that are late inflationary and and you know it seems that the discounting indicates that that will also do well this time. And this brings me to, to our last question for, for today's webinar. How did, how did you approach work during last year when inflation was, and of course continues to be the biggest fear out there? 
Yeah, so I think in the in the first phase, we agreed with a lot of uh, our investors that you know equities was really the way to uh, deal with the reflationary scenario and maybe uh, high running inflation numbers that we've been looking at. Uh, it was interesting to observe, maybe as expected, that profit margins were keeping up well uh, during that phase. What's even more interesting was that gross margins were you know flat to even slightly coming up, indicating that companies were able to pass through you know. Uh, input costs like commodity prices or uh, salaries, turning it into revenues and profits for the shareholders. So as expected, the first phase of the inflation were handled well by some of these uh, gross companies and the stock market in general. Um, now, the second phase, uh, of course, can turn against that style a bit. So we need to be wary about the discounting effect that can come from higher interest rates. Um, and, and so you have that, that dynamic there that that defensive equities in that way, like, like I just showed, uh, can, can handle maybe even better the second phase of the inflationary picture. But the advantage of that and what helped us a lot last year was that also in the events where growth is decelerating, so where you have an economic shock like the Omicron coming in or something, you know, a, 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 you know, a turn to a different phase of the virus, or maybe some of the old issues coming back to the stock market, like, you know, the trade uh, conflict between China and the US that was very much alive, before the pandemic, or maybe even, you know, the, the consistency of monetary policy in Europe, given the differentiated debt levels across the different countries, you know, how are we going to deal with that? And can we have high rates in Europe? Or do we have too much debt for that in, in various parts? And so th those issues can come back. And when those issues are coming back, then the market is doing a U-turn from focusing on inflation to having a sort of a, a scare uh, where the equities then that are the inflationary you know, protections, then the equities start to drop and you have a little bit of an event uh, to the beta that you might hold. And there, of course, you need that protection. The defensive equities can help you with that. But then also uh, during last year, we had other strategies helping us with that, like our defensive currencies, you know, long the dollar and the yen that we've been talking about uh, through a number of, numerous, uh, you know, communications. Um, so that, that still helped us also uh, also last year to keep portfolios and performance, you know, protected uh, when these shocks, you know, enter the market. So it is a balance, you know, protecting inflation and protecting, you know, sell-offs. It's two, it's two actually two sides of, of a, you know, the same coin, but in very different, in very different ways. So you need to be able to balance that still while, you know, buying the equities and the equity beta uh, to protect the, uh, to protect the portfolios. And I, and I think last year. Uh, that worked quite well for us, uh, adding both the protection and adding the inflation, you know, uh, protection as well, you know, participating in the equity market rally effectively. Great. Thank you so much, Aspirin, for your very insightful views today. Thank you for having me. And again, Happy New Year to both you, Carlo, and all our viewers. So let's look at the key takeaways. So first, we know that inflation fueled by changes in consumption patterns from services or goods continues to be the biggest concern on investors' minds. And that has, been, that has driven demand for some momentum trades, such as uh, high growth stocks. Two, in order to protect themselves from inflations, investors have shown a strong preference for equities as they have historically performed better in inflationary environments. And this is because bonds are expected to struggle in inflation uh, if inflation continues to stay high. And third, to be able to balance the equity risk without relying too much on bonds, investors could consider, for example, alternative strategies that focuses on 
low-risk equities, and defensive FX strategies, which in the experience of Nordea's multi-asset team has proven to be successful at hedging equity risk in bear markets while allowing portfolios to capture the bulls without meaningful costs. So thank you again to our viewers for joining us today. As always, you can find more information at nordeaassetmanagement.com. So thank you and see you next time.